Wilding Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wilding Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm Mike. I'm Grace. I'm Christina. I'm Mary Payton. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hi. Howdy. The gang's all here. Yay. Today, I wanted to uh, talk with y'all about the fact that October is LGBT History Month. Nice. So a couple little fun facts for you. It was founded in 1994 by a Missouri high school history teacher named Rodney Wilson. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, Yeah. go Rodney. (laughs) Yeah. It's celebrated in the U.S., Canada, Armenia, Romania, the Netherlands, Southeast Asia, and Australia. Cool. Wow. I thought that was a pretty cool sounding list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why Rodney picked October was because it coincides with National Coming Out Day, which is tomorrow, October 11th. Oh, my God. That's really cool. You know, and that's just a day to let people know that it's okay to come out. And, you know, there's people that are safe for them, safe spaces. Yeah, it's like if you've been looking for a sign, here's your sign, at least once a year. Right. This is a day to do it. And also another reason why I pick October uh, is because it commemorates the first and second marches on Washington in 1979 and 1987 for LGBT rights. Well, that, that's really cool. It's a really great time of year to do an outdoor activity. You know, it's like not too hot, not too cold. Right. It's like the perfect date. <laughs> it's like the perfect date. <laughs> if I'm going to be marching, let it be October. So for uh, LGBT History Month, for our focus, I wanted it to be on queer lit history. And I kind of, yeah, it's kind of fun. I went into this really like deep dive and I just started grabbing fun facts out that I thought were, you know, kind of cool and kind of like iconic moments or people for queer lit. Hell yeah. Christina well knows she's well versed in like the mythology and stuff like that. So we all know that pretty much queer lit has been around since writing's been around. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You know, those ancient Greece and Romans were freaky. (laughs) Wait, <laughs> I actually want to fact check something real quick. Hold on. Maybe not. Um, not enough information. <laughs> Skip me forever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going back to like, you know, ancient Greece and Rome writings, mm-hmm. some pretty like famous people like Plato and Homer, they describe same sex partnerships. You know, it's funny because when I was like reading a little more into it, because I read the Iliad when I was, you know, in a high school or sections of the Iliad, let me say that way. And uh, I never really put together like Achilles and Patroclus, like being lovers mm-hmm. until I was like reading this recently. And it felt very like broke back mountain. But then once you uh-huh. learn it, once you learn, it's like so unsubtle. Right. So unsubtle. And I don't know how I missed that. You know what I mean? Like, what was I thinking? You were distracted by the war. It's very easy to be like, that's yeah. so ma- manly. They must be super heterosexual <laughs> right but yeah i was saying like, the total like broke back mountain vibes from me because i was when i was reading things there was like one thing that like, described it as saying uh achilles was tender towards petroclus patroclus 
I say callous and arrogant towards others. Mm-hmm. I say Patroclus. Patroclus, that makes sense. But I don't Patroclus. know though. Like I have no, I have nothing to back that up with. Right. I should. I'm just gonna wait real quick. I'm gonna go Patroclus, and I'm gonna put that and voice it over every time. <laughs> there you <I> go. <laughs> to an extent, an that, that works. Yeah, <laughs> totally doing it. I've learned so much. Uh, Somebody else uh, worth like noting to speak, speak of is uh, Sappho. Oh, mm-hmm. very yes. much so. Known for themes like female-centered sexuality, yeah, love. I just joined a Facebook group for sapphic memes only, and they're fire. Nice. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I want to read some. <laughs> oh. You're not but sapphic, yeah, the, Michael. You don't I'm even not go sapphic. here. I'm like, can't even relate. You don't even know what this means. <laughs> I love it. But the thing that got me with Sappho was that uh, out of everything she's written, because she was where she was revered when she was alive, like later on, her a lot of her works were destroyed because of like mm. because of like the you know the the sexuality of her writing. Oh my God. The, Thank the God. Lesbianism. Thank God we know better than to like burn books. So as to like yeah. restrict access to them these days, like thank that God that's wild. a part of our like we've, dark history. We've come so far. Wow. That sounds so medieval. It truly <laughs> does. <laughs> but only one of her poems still exists in com- like a complete poem. And it's oh, called wow. the Ode to Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. Sounds gay. Yeah. You know, sounds yeah. pretty gay to me. <laughs> One thing, too, that I kind of really thought was, uh, you know, jumped out at me was that through the ancient Greece and Roman times where, like, contemporary scholars would definitely say that uh, they would acknowledge these same-sex moments in these stories, historians would just say these people were roommates. That's the, that's, oh, I, yeah. so, you know how, like, you say a joke so much that you forget that there's an origin. Like, I quote Bob's Burgers so much that it's, like, part of my speech. I don't, like, necessarily remember that it's from Bob's Burgers. But that's, like, a totally an internet joke. Like, oh, my God, they were roommates. Yeah. They were <laughs> <Yeah>. roommates. <laughs> so many roommates. So, jumping ahead, let's get to the 19th century. Other people worth noting to talk about that I found some cool facts on was uh, Walt Whitman and oscar wilde mm-hmm. and uh one thing one thing i really did notice that honestly throughout and this goes back to sappho as well that it was really kind of hard to find a lot of information on female writers of that time which i mean is disappointing but also not shocking mm-hmm. do you yeah. know what i mean yep. like yeah. just uh, all female writers of like any time pretty much mm-hmm. to where like you know most of like little knowns about Sappho, but all the way up to like in the 18th, 19th century, they were like, oh, we don't know much about them. We don't know about much about her. We don't know much about her. And I was just kind of like, Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like as a gay man, I'm sitting here, I'm pulling up just like gay male facts. And I'm like, I wasn't trying to, I promise. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it was just so hard to find that information out there. It's like a, a maze. And every time you turn around, boom, patriarchy standing right in your path. It's like <laughs> you again. I'm just trying to get out of here. You yeah. And I saw a lot of things where, especially with queer female authors, they would write under male pseudonyms so that they could write openly about a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that they would be taken more seriously because it's a male's a man's name. Mm-hmm. It kind of bummed me out a little bit. It is depressing. Yeah. As far as the, this time of like Walt Whitman and Oscar Wilde and Virginia Woolf, they were definitely uh, they were more like people who paved the way for LGBTQ awareness among readers because these authors weren't as subtle. 
And uh, one thing that I thought was really cool and interesting about Walt Women's Leaves of Grass is that he had to self-publish because uh, no publisher would print his uh, Leaves of Grass because of homosexual themes yeah. and sensual metaphors. Hmm. Wow. So he self-published and self-financed his book, and it only had 12 poems in the beginning. Whoa. And it's now has nearly 400 because of the reprinting. Whoa. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I thought that was really uh, kind of cool that he self-published. Yeah, and I guess if you're paying for your own printing, then 12 poems is about all you could put out for it, probably. Just being <laughs> frugal. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> as far as Oscar Wilde, he was uh, put on trial. Classic. Three times, yeah, put on trial three times and spent two years in jail for indecency and homosexuality. Mm. And because he was defamed while he was alive, that's why we still, they pretty much just believed why we still have the letters that he wrote to his lover, Lord Alfred Douglas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's like over 150 letters and they were preserved by his family, Wilde's family. And uh, during that time, most people who had like writings uh, queer writings, they would have them destroyed upon their deaths and so no one could would see them. Mm-hmm. Oh, but because he had already but, been, like, put out there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his family preserved them? Yeah. That's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Kind of cool. It makes me want to read his, uh, they have the complete letters of Oscar Wilde. Ooh. I, be- I bet they're beautiful. Yeah. But, yeah, they say they're tumultuous and homoerotic and Ooh. for it. Say less. Tumultuous. Oh <laughs> what, what a good, like, cover blurb. Oh yeah. Right. Specifically about love letters, but if you if you use the word tumultuous about like different kinds of writing, it wouldn't be as exciting. But like talking about love letters yeah. that are tumultuous, mm-hmm. yes, it's like please. a right. it's an unexpected word. Yes, I love yes. it. It's a strong word. Mm-hmm. I have a fact about a lesbian writer and author. Tell me. Which I'm like excited. I'm so excited because it, it was such a deep dive and it still makes me so sad. As far as uh Virginia Woolf goes. She, you know, it took decades of her writing for her to, like, get to be the radical queer writer that she became. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I thought was really kind of cool that I learned about was that her partner, Vita Sackville-West, was the inspiration for one of Wolf's more known novels called Orlando. Hmm. That tells the story of a man who transforms into a woman and lives for 300 years. Oh, I did not know that was what that was about. I just assumed it was about Orlando Bloom or Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Orlando Bloom. Uh, That's not the only option. <laughs> Are there other options? No. Shakespeare had a character named Orlando somewhere. So it could have been about that guy, too. But that's wild. That's really interesting. That makes me want to read it. That's all the facts that I was going to like throw out there out there because I feel like that was plenty and kind of kind of neat. It's a primer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you know, I mean, like, you, the internet is vast. Go explore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think that, like, if we're looking at, like, the history of queer lit as a whole, like, to put a happy ending on it, nowadays, there are publishers out there who are like, we are only publishing queer lit. That's what we want. Send it to us. Mm-hmm. That's us. We don't only publish queer lit, but we want it. Send it to us. So it's like a happy ending that there's like such a huge market for it. Like I personally these days have a very hard time reading anything with a straight romance anymore. I'm like, ugh, a man again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Again. (laughs) So I wanted to round up this uh, episode with kind of piggybacking off of Mary Payton's wonderful episode last week about. Oh, my God. uh, It was so good. Yeah. Um, 
It was, it was awesome. very excellent, Mary Payne. Yeah, Thanks. just real quick. It, last week was Banned Books Week. That's kind of like Wildling's new special interest is learning about book banning kind of regionally in our area, um, Central Virginia, but also more broadly across the country and across the world. And we actually started a new Instagram account called They're Banning Books in VA to sort of spread information and talk about the books that we've read that have been banned or challenged. So we can kind of um, just just in the name of like getting as much information out there as possible. So definitely give us a follow. I sent y'all a link to the uh, New York Public Library article where they talk about the most challenged books with LGBTQ plus themes in 2022. And I'm going to rename this list to Book Recs from Wilding Press. Yes. <laughs> Must reads. Have you guys been to the New York Library? Like the, the, no. the like, no. what, what is, where is that one? The, but like, you know, the one I'm talking about, they have like one. With the big lions, with the lions in the front. Yeah. The lions. Yes. And they're called what? Like oh. Patience and Justice or Don't something you? like that. I just read freaking starless sea where they name them I like know. six times it, it patience and <laughs> it is virtue fortitude fortitude, fortitude. patience oh, yeah. and fortitude fortitude is one of those words that i feel like i relate so deeply to like i feel like it's like such a word of like womanhood you know mm-hmm. like fortitude i love that, I love that. thank yeah. you it's, it's like depressing and inspiring at the same time <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to choose inspiring. (laughs) Inspiring, indeed. But yeah, with this are the Wilding Press book recs. If there's any that y'all have read that y'all want to talk about, I'd love to hear about it. Mary, I know you've been making a point to like read as many as possible. Have you read Mm -hmm. any of these? Oh, yeah, Yeah. I think so. I read a few by now. Um, A couple that I read a while ago, so I'm going to reread. But um, a couple that I've read lately, All Boys Aren't Blue. Uh, memoir by George M. Johnson, which is absolutely stunning book. It's a collection of essays, personal essays about, uh, it's by a prominent journalist too. So his writing is really excellent, but um, a collection of personal essays about growing up, childhood, adolescence, and college years as a queer black youth. So it's really, it's also not only really great, but it's also easy to sort of read in pieces which is really nice because Mm -hmm. some of the topics are really heavy as you might imagine um but also really inspiring too it's awesome i love it i'm excited to read that one do you own that one uh no well yes but uh i own the ebook right right okay okay i wonder if there's an audiobook oh i can look you would would be very you would hope so and think so if they read it yeah the cover is beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, the cover The cover kind of looks like our dream for when we're rich. One day we all want to get like wildling, like floral themed portraits done. Yes. <laughs> yes. The other two that I read the most recently are Gender Queer and Flamer. And I don't know if you guys have any of y'all read that yet. Those yet? I haven't. Uh, isn't it like the number one most challenged yes. book last yeah. year? Yeah. Well, it's literally it. it it's a graphic novel and it's beautifully written and illustrated. Um, and it's about this author's uh, childhood into adulthood, dealing with figuring out their gender and sexuality. So of course that's going to be a target of groups that don't want to, yeah. um, don't want kids hearing about the possibility of more than two genders, you know? So don't want to give the kids the option to understand themselves better and maybe be happy. I know a lot like a lot of children you learn about gender and sexuality in whatever way um, when you're maybe approaching middle school 
some mm-hmm. people earlier than that, but like it's middle school, high school, when also other kids are talking about it in some vulgar ways or acting, making silly jokes, that kind of thing. Um, so both Flamer and Genderqueer have some of that kind of stuff in it, where it's technically there are parts that like are inappropriate jokes or like crude ways of talking about sex or something like that. But it's because yeah. it's very it's it makes sense for the age group. Yeah, no twelve uh, year old has boys. ever made a sex joke. It's wild, Ever. yeah. And Flamer is, um, he's going through, he's like in Boy Scout camp. So it's just like a bunch of boys talking about um, sexuality and sex. Not the, not the whole thing, I shouldn't say that. But like parts of it, they are in a very middle school boy kind of way. Yeah. So, yeah. Is that one also a graphic novel? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, that one's, that one's really beautiful too because it's mostly just in black and white. But there are shots of this like bright orange and red um, Ooh, oh my god yeah the, the flame flamer um which is just yeah. uh, the art in both of these is amazing but that one was just like especially i could stare at the images there it's really beautiful oh gosh. i love graphic novels so much me too yeah um i'm not the best person to like speak about these um on this list i've read looking for alaska <laughs> <laughs> which uh-huh. like yeah. i don't remember i mean i only I, was... I only remember like the thing the thing that yeah, happens I... in that book the thing i was just <laughs> thinking that like i've read looking for alaska and perks of being yep, a wallflower same. and i don't remember those being particularly gay i think it's it's not like a gay thing i think it's like a sexuality thing it's like yeah it's like the I think these two books are an example of like there is a difference between sexualizing children and allowing right. for the fact that children have sexual facets of themselves and are learning about that. Yeah, right. All I remember is like two hundred pages of this boy just <laughs> so sad over Alaska. Oh, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I. <laughs> <laughs> obviously i didn't love that one that much <laughs> i'm not a big john green fan and i think that is, i think i've only read looking for alaska and um anthropocene reviewed which was you know not a novel so that one's different but i think i read looking for alaska and i was like ah, that's all i need i'm not gonna try any yeah. other ones <laughs> right and you don't remember anything from Perks of Being a Wallflower? I don't. It's just very coming of age. It says right here, we learn about Charlie through the letters he writes, trying to make friends, family tensions, exploring sexuality, experimenting with drugs, and dealing with his best friend's recent suicide. So it's like it's, heavy topics. The, the main character might be gay. I don't remember. This is an old yeah, school maybe. one. This must be like extremely challenged because this was... Like when I was a kid, people were reading Perks right. of Being a Wallflower. And yeah. that movie came out with um, Emma Watson, right? Oh, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've never heard of Lawn Boy. I haven't so either. La- I kind of like my brain did a little dance. The author is Jonathan Evison, but my brain did a little cute little dyslexia moment. Um, and I thought it said, <laughs> what is is his name Dave Levithan or John Levithan? Oh, yeah. Who writes a, shit, a, a bunch of very queer literature. So I was like, well, that tracks. But now I'm like, oh, uh, that's not even what this says at all. <laughs> Lawn boy. I mean, I can imagine what this might be about. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm into it. <laughs> I like this. Uh, this book is gay mm-hmm. by Juno Dawson. It looks gay. 
It, it looks does. super gay. It looks like a roll of lifesavers. Honestly, if there uh, was nothing in that book, it would still be challenged. Because of yeah, the yeah, even if it was empty. <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah, even what if it, it were blank inside? This book spanned. There's the rainbow. I'm triggered. Honestly, <laughs> like, that would work because so many, like, such a, a huge majority of the people that do challenge or um, try to ban books have only they haven't read it yeah like, right a vast yeah. majority right. like this year uh some one of the publishers penguin random house or something like that posted uh, oh no um i'm sorry the new york times put out an article this week um about the fact that 60 percent of the book challenges this year are were done by 11 people oh yeah i was reading about yeah. that too because and they're like, doing ma- these mass book bans. So, yeah, they, they like, just sit down and fill out the paperwork just, like, single-handedly or 11-handedly, which is still bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So, like, that's kind of, like, what – so they're not reading these books, but they're, like, on principle, they're challenging them. And so, like, Wildling is trying to do, like, the complete inverse of that read them because we know that people don't have time to just be reading all these books we're trying to read these books so that we can talk about like why they're important why they have value including some of the stuff of like why they're being banned because going back to what we were talking about before children just do this stuff whether or not you want them to and being able to read about them can help guide them through their friends and um, exploring their sexuality and gender and trying to figure out who they are like that's like what books for this age demographic are for yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and they always have been it's not anything new a lot of people like to say that it's like that it's this woke I hate saying that. Um, Literally, generation. Like, disgusting. Like, your mouth when you I, say woke I is know. like... <laughs> I just hate it. It's just been ruined. But, like, uh, they like to think that it's new, that it's something that's taking over this country and changing our traditions. But books, books, especially young adult books, have always been like this. Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly, like, lo- I was looking... Um, Yesterday, I have the 2017 edition of the ALA's Defending Our Freedom to Read. It's like kind of like a magazine textbook that has just like basic information about book challenging and then like the 2017 list of challenged or banned books, which they take great pains to explain is like not comprehensive because so many don't get reported. This is only like what gets reported to them. I mean, this was 2017, so we're missing six years there. But most of the young adult in middle grade stuff that I noticed on this list was uh like classic literature. Um like Judy Bloom, like um Sherman Alexi, like um mm-hmm. Roald Dahl. So like mm-hmm. this is not super not a new thing. Right. Right. Harry Potter has been banned like hell and like the conversation about Harry Potter aside, like obviously we don't really like to talk about that series on this podcast. Just looking mm-hmm. at it purely from a book banning standpoint, that's one of the that's got to be the most popular book series of all time and yet it is still so challenged historically because of themes of witchcraft which is frankly offensive to people who actually practice actual witchcraft (laughs) yeah (laughs) like how dare you yeah like they're not even doing it right (laughs) yeah so yeah guys uh wrapping it up it's uh lgbt history month oh yeah we got derailed there to some book banning stuff we did get derailed but but here's the whole point of it it's like we learn our history so that we can hopefully like fight against the people who still throughout history 
have uh, been trying to silence voices voices unlike their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, so read those books that they tell you not to. Yeah. If you need recommendations, literally message us on Instagram and we'll send you recommendations of queer lit that you would like specifically. And that's how you book. This episode is recorded and edited by me, Michael Hardison. Our logo was designed by me, Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton and Negative Selections on Instagram. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying blog post and visit us online at Wilding Press on social media or at wildingpress.com.